Hello, and what I am actually talking about today is I'm getting Coach Baz on, and she shows over and over again the importance of actually training hard. And something that a lot of people miss out on is when they want to change their bodies, they don't realize that you can't just force feed change through food. It's the training stimulus that actually makes a lot of the difference. And I'm going to shoot her an invitation now to join Baz. There we go. Invite. Okay. Cool. you. Recording in progress. And we are going to talk about just how important yeah. it is to, I guess, let's say, ourselves past our comfort zone. That's the best way to say it. Because a lot of us, we feel the burn. We feel a slight bit of discomfort. And then we shy away. We fear, I guess, pain, would you say? A lot of people fear the pain of what if this is an injury? What if this is, like, something that is to be avoided? Which is really normal to fear when you're not actually used to pushing yourself. But the yeah. more comfortable you get with, I guess, becoming friends with that and testing it on things like machines and safer exercises, the more you will realize that you actually can lift a lot heavier than what you are. And it's pushing past this stimulus that makes the biggest difference to your physique. Yeah, no, absolutely. So obviously, like, we do have to we do have to train hard, um, but without, I guess, proper execution, um, then training hard is, isn't really going to get you or you're not really maximizing. Um, so it's ensuring that, you know, you are executing the movement correctly first and appropriately first before then, you know, pushing for that training hard sort of um, approach. Um, so execution first, then, you know, obviously intensity. Um, and then it's also about like how to maintain execution while pushing intensity. And that is where you do gain that optimal stimulus, um, which is where you're really going to maximize your results. So um, it takes a bit of time. Um, and it's quite a, uh, it's a skill that takes time to master. Um, but once you master that, it's not like you'll ever lose it. Um, so it's all about just, you know, pushing yourself and progressively overloading on a week by week basis and maintaining that skill set. Something I guess a lot of people miss out on when it comes to training is the importance of actually breathing and the importance <laughs> of racing. Something that I just remembered not that long ago was a saying I used to say, stop princess lifting. You want to aggressively breathe and aggressively brace when you are doing exercises because it is then that you risk more chance of injury because you're having a body doing all this other stuff. And something else I say is when you're doing upper body exercises, it's kind of a full body exercise because you want to engage your lower body and your core and your glutes to push the, to transfer the force from the ground per se, if you're like doing a bench press or whatever, transfer that force from your lower body, drive through the ground into your upper body to get that stability so you're not moving around all the time.
Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, it's a lot of like, yeah, bracing, but um, being, I guess, having that coordination from your core and to your upper body or even like your lower body, um, whether you're doing a lower body exercise or an upper body exercise, but it's coordination with that. So you can have like a strong brace, but it's how can you maintain that brace through movement? So yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Do you, do you also emphasize the importance of even just filming your own lifts for yourself to look over through sets? Because mm -hmm. it's like you don't always need to send every single video to your coach. It's probably best to pick a couple to send so you have one thing to focus on. But regardless, you should be checking in to, to like, don't feel afraid to film yourself. Like, freaking film yourself because mm -hmm. if you don't do that, you're not – like, that would actually – risk injury more than anything else if you're doing a free weight exercise because you're not seeing if you're matching up to how it feels like you're moving yeah no definitely filming film yourself is really important um i feel like it's becoming a lot more common now or a lot more um accepted like we are seeing you know people walking the floor with a tripod in their hand and that sort of stuff and i think that's great um and i do encourage all of my clients to send through training videos um even if they are executing the movement well and you know they do uphold um really good technique it's also just having a second set of eyes to see what their intensity is like for that working set you know so a lot of the time especially with my female clients i actually encourage a lot of my female clients to send me their working set videos and a lot of the time i'll watch it and i'll be like was this a warm-up set or was this a working set because i i can definitely see that you can push a little bit harder, you can add a little bit more load. Um, you could have definitely squeezed out an extra few reps or something like that. So um, it's having a set of eyes on not just your technique, but your overall intensity of that, um, of that working set. How do you usually encourage your clients to push that little bit harder through, I guess, the burn that they think is something to run away from? Um, I guess it's like... Sometimes it is actually just stating it in the program itself. Um, I think once it's stated in the program and once they visually see it stated in the program, it's kind of like they have to um, and it sort of motivates them to actually meet that rather than putting in like a rep range or, um, you know, making it their choice. It's sort of like I'm making that choice for you. You can't really you can't opt out of this sort of thing. So sometimes it is about being very specific in that way. Um, and that way it ensures that they do actually meet that rather than sort of them making that decision themselves. Yeah. Sometimes I see like you will have a rep range that is kind of on the higher end for something to try to get that burn out of it, but they flake short of it. Cause it's like, oh, this is burning really hard, but mm -hmm. I guess if you think of it as how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if you can actually push past that initial discomfort and show yourself that you can do hard things, it mm -hmm. kind of applies to other things in life. But I guess something that you and I take for granted as well is the fact that we actually feel like we have a whole heap of strength and a whole heap of energy going into our sessions because if you look around, a lot of people are lacking the energy. They don't even eat enough food. They fear carbs. Like, you don't know how good you can feel until you actually experience it. And if you're not feeding your body enough food, how do you expect to even have that mental energy to push in your sessions? 
yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's a that's a good point. Um, definitely, you need to feel yourself for your training sessions to perform well. But in another sense, like if you're dieting, if you're in a deficit, sometimes you just don't have that. I guess the privilege to be able to eat to really optimize performance, you know, because you're in an energy deficit. And especially if you've been dieting for several weeks now, or, you know, even longer than that, and especially the leaner you get, um, the less energy you're going to feel even outside of the gym, you know, your general energy levels just go down. So I think in those moments, um, if you can push yourself in the gym, when you are in an energy deficit, when you already feel very fatigued, um, even if you've just had like a really long, hard day at work or something like that, if you can, if you have the mental capacity to be able to push in those training sessions where you haven't been optimal, how well, how much better are you going to perform when you are in a more optimal state, i.e. when you're in a well-fed position, so, or well-rested position or something like that. So um, I think regardless um, you should always test your mental strength and not always rely on um, other factors that can enhance your performance. I actually love the fact that you brought that up. It's like, yeah, when you're eating enough, you actually have a lot more capacity mentally and physically to push, but it's a state of mind in pushing yourself at the gym and realizing, which I really want to talk on as well, it's realizing how important it is to actually train for muscle growth not just taxing, maybe you did it too. I can't, I don't think you did because you had an athletic background, but I always used to do like 10 exercises for some type of vertical pull down. And then I used to do like 10 exercises for some type of row within one session. And it's like, there is such thing as junk volume and doing too much of the same shit that like you train to elicit a stimulus and you want to put stimulus as hard as you can to the point where I guess, you fail with form, but you also want to make sure that you're recovering from that. You're repairing from that because you can only adapt to what you recover from. Mm. So maybe you can talk a little bit about the importance of having, like why muscle is so important and why it's important to train for muscle and what exactly we need to avoid doing in our sessions, like junk volume, like not resting enough and maybe resting too much for things that, need shorter like supersets yeah so um so your first question about why we might need muscle so obviously health um strength just like general longevity as well like if you have i can't picture someone in their older adulthood years wishing that they didn't have muscle you know so if we can grow and gain the muscle that we have now then it's really going to help us for later uh down the track as we age as muscle retention um becomes even harder to just maintain so let alone trying to grow so it's really about that longevity side of things and of course like overall confidence like there's no better feel well I guess everybody is different. Like you don't, lifting doesn't have to be your thing. Building muscle doesn't have to be your thing, but there is something about being stronger and being better than you were the previous week that really gets me going personally. Um, and of course, like the physical aspects and, you know, your overall image um, is, is a little, is like the cherry on top, essentially. Um, your second question about training volume, was it? Training, like the mistakes that we make 
for training, I guess. Oh, okay, yeah. So some, yeah, some typical mistakes I see is it does depend on whether they're male or female. I find that males generally, especially if they're beginners or like intermediates, sometimes even advanced, but they push for too much load and their technique becomes heavily compromised and they're no longer performing effective reps. So too much load. Um, I do see some females do it, but it's generally in males. Females, I find that they are trying to do a cardio session in their weights session. So, you know, really short rest periods, like if they're not huffing and puffing between sets or like during, you know, right before they're about to conduct their next set, if they're not huffing and puffing, then they're not working hard and that sort of stuff. Um, If the priority is muscle growth um, to promote hypertrophy, so to gain muscle, um, we want to push the most amount of weight for the most amount of reps. Now, if we are shortening our rest periods where we're starting to see our performance degrade as we perform each set and we're having to lift less, perform less reps as we progress in the sets, then we're not we're not really maximizing hypertrophy. So rest periods is probably a big one. Um, another one is just, like you said, junk volume, just far too many sets um, and spending far too long in the gym. And that goes across the board. Males and females generally do that. Um, so it's quality over quantity as always. You know, if you're doing 20 plus, 25 plus sets, of a muscle group in a training session that's that's too much you need to uh trim that trim that down and start really focusing on the quality of each working set yeah and i always hear people say i'm training my ass off i'm training really hard and i'm not seeing results my body's not changing and it's kind of funny i i I don't know where it comes from but whenever people complain about not getting results they say they're already cleaning up their diet, but they're not actually tracking their food properly to ensure that their nutrition matches the goal that they want. But talking on the training element, just because you feel like you're training your ass off does not mean you're training smart for your goals. And it does not mean that something I see all the time, people bust their ass. They feel like they just burnt like a whole heap of 800 or whatever calories they think they burned. So they don't even look to think that maybe they are still eating and they're eating back their calories or the fact that because they burn all of their energy in their training session, they're like a sloth the rest of the day. They don't even think about being active the rest of the day. And that's where you burn most of your energy. And training isn't about burning calories. It's not about getting your heart rate up. If you're doing a conditioning session, you attract your heart rate. But the, like the best you can do for a training session for tracking your heart rate is to see if you're actually pushing yourself enough. But you don't even want to care about that stuff when you're lifting weights to grow muscle because growing muscle is the stimulus that training gives you. The diet is the stimulus that changing your body composition gives you. But I guess in in talking about the diet as well, it's not just the quantity, it's what you eat that matters. Like you need to get in nutrition. You need to eat colors and you need to eat enough protein. So talking about changing your whole body composition and how training effectively gives you the body that you want, 
how is it that we can actually match this nutrition to, I guess, enhance what we are doing in the gym? Um, I guess it, it depends on the level of the experience of the individual. Like um, tracking is obviously a good way to get a really good understanding of your total energy needs and your energy requirements and ensuring that you are meeting enough food. Um, but then again, like if someone is a complete, like they don't have basically zero nutritional literacy, um, then, you know, jumping into tracking is going to be a bit too overwhelming for them and, you know, and whatnot. Um, so it depends on the level of the, um, of the individual as to what nutritional interventions you should have in place. But I guess to be optimal, um, you definitely probably want to be tracking your, your calorie intake to ensure that you are not just eating towards performance, but eating towards health and, of course, um, eating for recovery as well. Yeah, and that's like that's the thing. It depends on your entry level, and a lot of people get scared off anything to do with this because you feel like it needs to be too hard. And I know I ran on about this a lot, and I randomly clicked onto Tyson stories one day as well and saw it. I'm like, holy shit, this is what I'm talking about all the time. Like, so many people are now coming into the Instagram scene, like they don't have to do anything other than just live at home, living the life, probably just, I don't even know what, where else their time goes except from like just posting on Instagram and being fit. Maybe they get paid for that. But there are so many elaborate recipes on Instagram and it's like fake products and casing custards and hacks for this, hacks for that. We complicate it more than it needs to be. And it's, almost like a barrier to entry. And we do that enough with exercise as it is. Like we feel like we have to do all of this crap to get results. Like we need to train six days a week. We need to add in cardio. We need to go on the stair mill. Like it's about keeping shit simple and doing less but better. And you're a master at like promoting the whole do less but better. So you can probably pop <laughs> on that a little bit more. Yeah, so uh, um, eating to like in specifically towards nutrition or for training? For everything, training and nutrition, how it's making shit as simple as possible to get the most results. Like you don't need elaborate recipes and you don't need to, shouldn't be training six to seven days a week. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Um, it really just comes down to basics, nailing the, ba well, firstly, you need to know the basics to be able to execute the basics. So understand the basics um, and then execute them. And, the finer details can really come later. Um, in regards to nutrition, no matter what stage you're in, whether you're dieting, whether you're in a maintenance phase, whether you're in a surplus, um, or whether you're just eating for, you know, no specific body composition goals, health, eating towards health should always become a priority. And then, of course, eating in a way that aligns with your lifestyle and with your values. Um, so, you know, someone can and prefers to track their nutrition on a daily basis all the time. However, for someone who doesn't need that or doesn't want that, they can, you know, adopt something else, but it always comes back down to adopting the basics first and foremost. And then of course, like with your training side of things, um, I think beginners typically like to reach out for the most advanced looking program. Um, 
So they need to sort of take a step back and really master the basics first before looking for the most advanced program because that advanced program isn't going to do you wonders if you can't nail the basics first. And um, there's a reason why the advanced are so good at what they do. It's because they have done their time at nailing the basics. Um, you want to always advance through your program and within your program rather than just reaching out for the most advanced program. Yeah, you you shared this in one of your stories as well, which I was like, yes, seriously, this, like you don't need to do 10 exercises for legs in one session. Like there is no way that you are going to give 100% into a, an exercise. That's your 10th exercise in a list of probably 30, 30 sets that you've done that whole thing for legs. Like, that's why when I have a lot of, like, exercises in a session, it's more like a full body session. It is not all for legs because if I was doing, like, 10 exercises for legs, I'd probably only be able to do three of them, well, maybe five of them with enough intensity. I remember when I was doing one of my full body workouts, I actually was in tears by my fifth exercise. I'm like, I just cannot do this anymore because when I train, Anita and I both train intense. And if we apply the same energy and same intensity into every single set, every single rep that we did at the beginning, there is no way that we can do like 30, 40 sets of the same muscle group and get the same stimulus and benefit out of it. So it's not just about doing more. And one thing I did want to touch on, which I just remembered is, if you're getting a program from a coach and it doesn't feel like you're working hard enough and you don't feel like you smashed hard enough or you gave it your all, chances are you did. It's just a different type of stimulus that doesn't feel like a usual like freaking boot camp session would make you feel. Like you need to you need to be okay with not feeling like death at the end of every session because you need to leave the session feeling better than you walked in. That's mm -hmm. the whole purpose of all of this stuff and yeah. The more the more painful you think, yeah, the more painful you think it's going to be, the more you're pushing yourself away. And I guess that's why it comes down to making sure that every single rep you do, every single set you do, you're giving it a hundred percent because it's not about giving seventy percent to a hundred exercises. You don't need that much and you shouldn't have that much. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot of the time, um, especially girls, especially when they've come from like boot camp backgrounds or like F45 classes and that sort of thing. Um, they're really used to that systemic fatigue. Um, and then now that their goals have shifted and they're really trying to, you know, grow muscle, get stronger. Um, there's a shift in, in a stimulus. So it's a different type of training. So I think a lot of people have almost like an emotional attachment to that systemic fatigue where they're huffing and puffing throughout the whole session and you know they're doing so many reps at a time so many sets at a time so many exercises um and i think that sometimes they do have troubles with letting go of that style of training and really just prioritizing resting enough between each set and moving with control not trying to like rush through each rep moving with control um you know adhering to the the tempo ranges that have been applied to the you know that specific exercise and that sort of stuff so um yeah i think a lot of people try and chase that systemic fatigue as opposed to like local muscular fatigue which is what we want um with the goal of trying to grow muscle and get stronger 
I guess this kind of also ties to the whole pursuit of we like so many women just want to lose weight when they first start anything out. They don't attach their goals to anything greater than themselves. It's almost like so for example if you're always chasing the scale going down, if you're always chasing a certain number on the scale, you're never going to give yourself enough grace and enough room to truly get that dream body that you want because there's not much that happens in that little confinement that you give yourself especially when muscle weighs something and food weighs something when you start eating more because like it for example the day that I started eating more I put on like 2 kilos in 3 days because I had more food volume in my stomach and food volume also carries water and that's something nobody realizes it's not just the fact that our bodies hold water it's the fact that we even have more food in our bellies but talking on that note that I was just saying it's almost like if we just go to the gym or just view exercise as a means of burning calories exhausting ourselves how is that sustainable and how is that something that we can be motivated for when shit hits the creek one of the days and we just oh i need to go up today i need to wake up and i need to go to the gym and i need to do trials of cardio and i need to just smash myself like how is that motivated yeah I think it's just a shift in mindset and really trying to shift away from exercising and shift into training because there's definitely a big difference between the two. And I think if you have a structured training program and you adhere to it, um you will gain that trust in the process and you will then reap the rewards. I'm going to mention Lane Norton because I love him and I also hate some stuff that he says, but I'm going to mention something I absolutely love that he said and then I'm going to get you to rip apart something that we both hate he says and you know exactly what that is but the thing that i love that he said in this thing that i was listening to is like you can have 80% consistency with the basics of nutrition just 80% consistency not really like you might go over one day you might go over one weekend you might just blow it one whole day and then get back on track like you could have pretty much just 80% adherence and consistency but if you actually put as much energy as much attention as much stress and anxiety into how you approach your training sessions and actually train to that level of failure and i don't mean failure as in like break your back failure like technique form failure where you can't get another rep out at the same the same like technique and the same execution your body composition will change a hell of a lot more than putting all that focus just into hyper focusing on the tiny details of nutrition because it's our bodies that sculpt through training our muscles and building our muscles and that's something i loved that he said but something that we both hate and anyone with any solid nutritional background hates is this concept of weaning your way up from a calorie deficit up to a maintenance in this reverse dieting thing like the only way that you the only reason that you would need to do maybe a pit stop in between is if you've been dieting really long or dieting really extreme maybe we might just go up a little bit to get your body to respond to that to get your digestive system to respond to that but there is no need to do like 10 little bumps up to whatever like maybe like one is probably the max that you need to do to get up to maintenance but maintenance means maintaining 
Maintenance does not mean you are going to gain fat. You will gain weight, but that's food. That's water. There's other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. It is not fat that you were gaining in maintenance. Why? Why is it so important to get this out to people? Like, just yeah. It's like as soon as you increase calories from a deficit, it just automatically means fat gain. Um, so no, unless you like completely fuck up your calculations of calculating your maintenance calorie intake and you literally consume like 8,000, is it 8,000 calories above maintenance that you need to gain one kilo of fat, something like that. So unless you do that, then sure, you'll gain some body fat. But if you just bring it up to maintenance, so the amount of energy you need to neither gain or lose weight, um, then like you're going to be fine. You might gain some weight in terms of, like you said, like water retention, maybe a bit of food volume in your stomach or something like that. But it's, it's definitely not going to be body fat. If anything, like you'll probably look better because you're not going to be looking as, you know, as flat and flat and um, depleted as you are when you're typically in a deficit. You might look, in fact, you might even look leaner just because your muscles are going to fill up with water, fill up with glycogen. So you might appear like leaner and um, more shaped, I guess, or fuller. Um, so, yeah, the idea that you're going to gain body fat is... Um, yeah, it's an interesting point. And um, I'm really not a fan of reverse dieting and like inching your way to find maintenance when like some coaches are literally bunny hopping their clients from a deficit through to like up to maintenance. And they've already been dieting for like, say, 10 weeks, right? And then they're inching their way up and adding in like 50 to 100 calories a week. Like what the fuck is 50 to 100 calories? Like, congratulations, you get to eat an extra apple a day. Like, fuck me. <laughs> um, and then so they reach their maintenance and they've spent an extra four weeks of dieting. So in fact, it wasn't a 10-week fat loss phase. It was a 14-week fat loss phase because they spent four weeks fucking around with not being in enough deficit to promote fat loss and not being in enough of a energy, you know, a maintenance energy intake to, you know, regain their health, you know, bring their, you know, energy levels back to optimality, all that sort of good stuff. So it's really pointless in, in my ideas. Like unless you've just come out of like a contest prep where you have been in a chronic energy deficit for a long period of time and you are very lean then bringing your calories up to, you know, maybe the lower end calorie range of a maintenance intake might be ideal. Just like you said, with um, um, like digestive issues can um, might be an issue when you do bring back a whole lot of calories, especially if you're at a heavier body weight. With small females, like your maintenance calorie intake is probably not going to be too much different from a, uh, from a deficit. But obviously, the heavier you are, the larger that percentage is going to be. Um, so unless you're in that position, then I don't see any point in sort of inching your way up. Like, you know, it just gets, just goes straight to maintenance. Yeah. I, we finally got to the, the actual like exciting part of this podcast slash IG live because reverse dieting is so popular these days. Mm-hmm. And I, something that I realized is, yeah, it it's such an easy sell because women are so fucking afraid of food like I was as well I was terrified of eating like more carbs than I was and it's normal because it's like I'm already so far from where I am I mean from where I want to be I still have this extra fat to lose 
I'm not lean enough. I'm not defined enough. I don't have the tone and sculpt that I want. So there's no way I'm going to eat more and get myself further away from where I want to be. But in fact, not taking these breaks and not coming up to maintenance to like Baz said about a hundred times in whatever she just said, she said the word muscle and she said the word sculpt. This is why focusing on building muscle is so important because that is exactly what gives us the metabolic gold. It's, it's not the fact that it burns that many more calories. It's the fact that building it, maintaining it, moving around and being active with more muscle, all in total burns more calories. And it allows you to have more buffer space when you're eating extra food. Like say you eat 200 calories extra, the more active you are outside of the gym and the more muscle you have, that is more of a buffer and it's not going to impact you as much as someone who sits on their ass all day and hasn't built the muscle to deal with that stuff. And I guess it feeds, because it feeds into the fear of women being so scared of food, they cling to this idea that eating more food equals fat gain. Jumping up too much in calories equals fat gain. But instead of focusing on, okay, so now I can actually feel myself better. And something I spoke about in my stories quite a while ago is metabolic phenotypes. Something to, to keep in mind when it comes to either going into a deficit or going into a surplus is that there are two metabolic phenotypes. The ones that adapt really quickly in either direction and the ones that are more resistant to adaptation. So for example, say that I'm really efficient and she's not efficient. If I'm really efficient at adapting to something, put me onto, let's just say my maintenance is, I'm just gonna say 1600 because it's easier. Say my maintenance is 1600. Say you give me 2000 calories as a surplus. I might start to upregulate all of my energy systems and start moving more, start fiddling more, start doing all of this stuff that I'm doing right now, start blinking more. I'm going to burn a lot more. And that that 400-calorie surplus now becomes a 200-calorie surplus. Whereas because she is really efficient, she starts to do all the mechanisms to adapt to the 400-calorie surplus. And she... I, I think I flipped them backwards, but <laughs> she she doesn't have all the compensatory mechanisms that I have. So that probably serves as like a 350, 400 calorie surplus. So she'll probably have to stay there for a while, whereas I'm not really making any changes. I'm not really gaining anything. So now I have to bump up to 2200, whereas she needs to stay there. And the same goes in the reverse direction. Like we respond differently in both directions. And it all comes, like, this is why it is so important to not fear food because that is the reason why people probably still lose weight doing a reverse diet because the second you give them a little bit more, probably the mental thing is, oh, my God, I'm not in a diet anymore. Yeah, let's move more, let's move more. You just put yourself into more of a deficit. Like, you're just, you're pushing the bullet in the bullet hole. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, it's. It's not good from a mental aspect as well. Like, you know, especially if you've been dieting really hard and, you know, you've hit that last week of your dieting phase and mentally you've kind of checked out of a deficit. Like, okay, it's finally done. You know, let's, 
your body and mind are like ready to just bring calories to maintenance, have a bit more food, um, reduce, you know, your food focus and um, your appetite levels potentially. Um, and, you know, regain your health and regain your energy levels and that sort of stuff, ready to start, you know, training hard and performing well. Um, so you've kind of like mentally preparing yourself for that. And then all of a sudden you're still in a deficit for another four weeks because you've literally just added an extra 50, 100 calories on top of your already deficit um, on a week by week basis, which just, it's just beyond me. Like it's, I don't understand that concept. It's like, why, if you're going to be in a deficit, be in it to promote fat loss. If you're going to be at a maintenance calorie intake, get it to that to maintain your body weight and then be in preparation for a surplus. And then if you're going to be in a surplus, be in a surplus. Like there's, I don't see the point in hovering between a deficit and a maintenance. You know, you're just dieting for longer than you need to. Maybe you can speak more on the mindset of this as well because you did a story talking about emotional eating as well. So you can talk about that as well. But it, it's all like a mental thing. People don't mentally – like you can be physically eating at maintenance and physically trying to gain muscle, but you're not mentally in it. And if you're not mentally in it, you're not going to reap the best benefits of anything that you do. Like you want to mentally maintain – that is going to heal your relationship with food. It's going to help with reducing cravings. It's going to help with reducing emotional eating. And I really need to do my reel on this as well. I, I keep saying it, but hoarding your calories for nighttime, hoarding your calories for the weekend isn't just like reinforcing a negative relationship with food. The blood sugar negative impacts of that the way that it impacts the way that our brains respond with dopamine, it's almost like we get this food orgasm in our mouth and then we just can't stop eating. And then that can turn into binge restrict, binge restrict. And whenever we eat food, our gut produces enzymes to digest the food. And the, it, everything in our body has a circadian rhythm. It is really important to actually feed our bodies when they are most active, which is during the day, because that's when our bodies are also most active to produce the enzymes that produce the food. Because as soon as our bodies start winding down all of the sympathetic slash stress systems that happen in the day, like cortisol and all that stuff, which is cortisol is not bad unless it's elevated high for chronic periods of time. But as soon as that all starts to downregulate and melatonin and all that stuff start to kick in, our bodies won't be able to digest as well. It doesn't mean it turns into fat gain. It just means that we might have some digestive issues. And then people wonder why they have bad gut health. And then they pop freaking greens powder and this other thing that they think works because it makes them poop like crazy. Like maybe you can touch on the importance of mentally committing to whatever it is you do, healing your relationship with food, and I guess ways that we can approach emotional eating. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, firstly, like we have to, um, if you're one to, if this is the topic on like banking your calories, um, if you're one to do this, you need to ask yourself why, like, why 
do you feel the need to do this? Um, and if this is happening on a consistent, especially daily basis, um, and especially if you are finding that you are, despite setting the intention of staying within your calorie intake, if you do bank your calories and you go over your calorie intake, um, that needs to be addressed. Um, and with banking calories, you are, especially if you're dieting, it's really not good if you're dieting. So you're going to be hungry throughout the day. And because you are saving some calories for the evening meal, maybe you already have a meal in mind that you are going to have. You're going to be thinking about it from breakfast through to lunch and then up until dinner. Now, because of this increased food focus, you're already, your food focus is already high from being in a calorie deficit. So your food focus is high from that. And then on top of that, your food focus is high because you're so looking forward to this one meal that you're going to have at the end of the day. Um, and also your, your cravings are going to be high as well. So you're tasting, you're almost like Thinking, you're think, thinking about the food so much and you're chasing that taste sensation so much that when it comes to having that meal, you're probably not going to be satisfied and you might even overeat because you've been holding off on your hunger, you've been holding off on your cravings, you've been holding off on, you know, you've had increased food focus. All of these things have just amounted and then now you've like, you know, overspilled and you've over consumed your calories for the day despite setting the intentions to stay within your calorie targets. So Banking calorie, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of banking calories at all, um, especially if you're banking calories like for the weekend and that sort of thing, because a lot of the time we don't adhere to that set calorie intake, despite setting the best intentions to. Um, in regards to emotional eating, um, so I have a like a set, a step by step process that I have, or step by step method that I share with some of my clients who do struggle with emotional eating. Firstly, if this is happening on a regular basis, um, then maybe seeking for to see a psychologist about it, a, like an expert in the field of, you know, uh, our men mental health and our, especially like a food psychologist, like an expert within this area, um, maybe reaching out to them first if, you know, some uh, methods that you do try don't work because um, they can obviously, they know what they're doing. Um, but the step-by-step -step method that I do have in place uh, for for some of my clients is um, the stop, breathe, and think method. So um, emotional eating is obviously a trigger, and it's an emotional trigger. So we're typically stressed, sad, angry, whatever. Um, we've got a, um, a stress at hand, and um, we reach out for food as comfort completely normal. And I think that's the first thing that we need to understand is that it's normal, it's okay, and it's about acceptance. Um, so a lot of people, when they do emotionally eat, um, they feel really guilty about it. And they feel really almost like ashamed of their actions, like, oh, I fucked up, you know, I've ruined my progress, blah, 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 blah. Um, so then what they do is they try to eliminate the eating side of things. But I mean, how many times have we tried to eliminate the actual eating side of things and we just always resort back to food? It's because it's just a natural instinct. Um, so it's not necessarily about eliminating the eating side of things, but it's about replacing that eating with something else. So um, 
in other words, like replacing what we binge on, what we, you know, overeat on with, with another food basically. But, um, so acceptance is the first thing. Um, but the stop, breathe and think method is basically, so if you come home, you know, really stressed and you open the pantry and you just want to eat everything in sight, um, just before you're about to eat everything, you know, just stop and breathe and bring yourself to the present and then just, because um, sometimes we react, especially when we're stressed. Um, so just stop, breathe, and just bring yourself to the present and just accept and acknowledge why you're reaching out for these foods. So just be like, okay, like I am reaching out for these foods because I am stressed or I am upset or angry or whatever. Um, maybe I should prepare myself a more nutritious meal or something like that so then you prepare yourself like you know a more nutritious meal something that's going to promote some levels of high levels of satiety something that's going to keep you fuller and then you know consume that meal and then ask yourself again you know stop breathe and think and um then ask yourself um do i still feel like having those biscuits and then the if the answer is yes then sure just have a couple but you might be satisfied with just a couple because you've just finished a, a big large meal like a, a filling meal um if the answer is no then you can just you know those biscuits can wait another day so um that's a good method that i like to utilize for a lot of um a lot of clients or a lot of others out there who do struggle with emotional eating but like i said if this is happening on a regular basis then you might want to see a, a professional in this field yeah, this is, that's why I wanted to bring it up because this is something I actually help a lot of my girls with. Like a lot of my girls have come to me with emotional eating. They've come to me binge eating and it's something that, it, it's something that a lot of them have finally worked through to the point where they're not in that place anymore because it takes patience and it takes willing to know that you may not get your results straight away that you want to get at the end. And that's why the process is the goal. You have to fall in love with every single step along the way. And as soon as my girls realize that you can't always be perfect and it's not about wanting the results now and wanting to do like that 12-week body transformation, it's being willing to work through these things. Like even, even like the five girls that I can think of that we finally got rid of emotional eating, they still have those tendencies here and there. And it's realizing that relapse is normal you are going to relapse into those old habits. And something I love that you said is we tend to want to just get rid of the food. And something that I find as well is that's, that's what we think about. Everything's food focused. It's always the food to blame. None of us actually blame ourselves. You need to take responsibility for your emotions and it's hard to do that. But if all you want to do is not talk about your emotions, swipe them aside, that leaks into your training as well because how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if you can't find the purpose behind what you are doing and you try to use exercise and try to use food as this mask that makes you feel worthy enough or good enough or something that just takes away the pain of the emotion, you're never going to get rid of that root cause itself and it's going to keep showing up. So you need to stop looking at the food as the thing to fix. You need to actually like Baz said, recognize the emotion and actually acknowledge it, not just be aware of it, acknowledge it and dig into what that emotion is so that you can find something else to feel that. And the same goes with your training. Like if you can figure out what it is you want to feel instead of running away from all these feelings that we don't want to feel, then we can actually start to show up better in the gym. We can start to 
train because we want to get strong. We start to actually put ourselves first in terms of building our bodies in a way that create the lifestyle that we want to live. And I guess to kind of sum it up, I really want you to hammer home the importance of training hard and the importance of pushing yourself past what we think is the comfortable limit to elicit the changes that we want. Because if you're always training with like 10 reps in reserve, thinking that you're pushing yourself balls to wall, it's going to be hard to see the results. And you can't just say, oh, I wish I had a body like hers. Oh, I, I love your legs, Ruby. I want your legs. Oh, I love your back, Baz. I want your back. Oh, my God, you've made so many changes to your booty, Baz. How did you get your legs like that, Ruby? Like, it's so easy to want the end results without <laughs> getting ourselves uncomfortable in the process to get those results. So that's a perfect way to sum it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like, um, obviously, like, if you're a beginner, especially if you're an absolute beginner, then you really don't need to train yourself to these extreme limits. Like you don't need to train to failure. You don't need to train even like close to failure, you know, three, four reps in reserve. Um, you know, training 10 reps away from reserve is still going to be a stimulus because you're a beginner. Like any, any stimulus is going to be a stimulus for you. However, like as you advance, um, building muscle and um, getting the – getting an adequate stimulus becomes harder. And if you're not getting an adequate stimulus, then you're not getting those adaptations to, you know, build strength, build muscle. Um, so it's really about trying to, cause you're not going to get it overnight. Like, I don't know if you've seen me, like if some of you guys who are like listening have seen me train, like I do train very, very hard, but if you're someone who has never stepped into that sort of zone before, um, you're not going to be able to train to those limits straight away. And that's okay, but you can always work up to that. Um, so it's about, you know, um, having a structured program definitely helps because it gives you that accountability. It gives you that uh, level of um confidence i guess because you build confidence within a structured program because every week you know progressive overload should be applied um so you if, as long as you're following that program you're going to build that confidence and you're going to um, get the results that you want but there are going to be times within that program where you're gonna be uncomfortable um and it's really about um it's really a mental game um it's really about understanding that for you to get the res to get the stimulus required you do need to push past that uncomfortable stage and once you tap into that uncomfortable stage even if it's just a little bit even if you if you train to three reps in reserve true three reps in reserve right then you'll you'll be comfortable at training to that limit and then you can be like okay next week maybe i'll try an extra rep so then you you train exact same weight, exact same exercise, and you train to two reps in reserve. And so you get comfortable at two reps in reserve. And then the following week, you can do the same weight, the same exercise, and then just push out an extra rep. So that's progressive overload. You're literally just adding one rep at a time, but you are inching your way to training to technical failure. We want to typically, I suggest most people to train to technical failure, um, unless they're really advanced and they can go to absolute failure. Um, and inch your way to be able to push yourself to these extreme limits. So I wouldn't just be like, okay, go balls to the wall, you're training to failure straight away. We need to build that um, mental capacity to get comfortable at being uncomfortable. Um, and once you are com un 
once you become comfortable at pushing yourself to those limits, it gets easier to tap into that in, tap yourself into tap into that position. That's what I was meant to say. Yeah. And that's exactly why <laughs> beginners can benefit from like running the same program for like 12 weeks because you haven't yet taught yourself how to push to the place where by week eight, by week six, you're like dying because you're, you've already progressively overloaded so much through the weeks. Like the more advanced you are, I would say eight weeks, max six weeks. I mean, minimum six weeks, six to eight weeks. You're ready to like the program because you pushed yourself enough to warrant a switch in program. But something I love, I don't use reps in reserve and I don't use RPE just because a lot of people don't know how to judge that. But the way that you, the way that you don't use it either. Yeah. No, I use reps percentages for all my programming. Yeah. It's being able to gauge your own effort by putting in your qualitative feedback. I pushed myself really hard. I think I can increase the weight next week. I push myself really hard. I think I can actually still increase a rep next week. Like actually leave notes in your training, like training exercises. I try to get my girls to do that because you don't know how you performed the week before when you show up to the gym the week later, because when I'm pulling out my program, I'm like, I wonder if, did I find that weight easy? Should I increase the weight? Like I won't know unless I leave notes, leave yeah. notes in your programming and treat it like you treat a job. Like it's meant to be fun. Treat it like a game. But treat it like a job as well because this is your job at you becoming your best self, you becoming your strongest, most confident self. And knowing that you're pushing yourself to your 100% effort every single day, and that looks different. Like my 100% effort one day might be 60 kilos is too heavy, but then the next day I go in probably really well slept. I should say the next week I go in really well slept. I probably have a lot more energy because I didn't expend so much in my morning. And I can lift like 70 kilos. Like mm -hmm. your best looks different every single day, but it's hard to quantify that if you're not putting detail into your training program. So do you have any final remarks? Track your training. <laughs> like it really just comes down to tracking your training. Like so many people are, you know, so meticulous about tracking their nutrition and their macros, but nobody gives a shit about tracking their training. So you're going to get the most amount like most of your results are going to come from your training. So you may as well track that. Yeah, that's exactly what Lane Norton said. That's probably the best thing that Lane Norton said too. <laughs> like you can, you can be 80% in your nutrition. Yeah. But if you put the same meticulousness from your nutrition into your training, you will seriously see the biggest change because that shift in I'm training to be strong, you start to lose focus on I'm trying to be as small as possible. I'm obsessed with calories. I'm obsessed with all these little things you start to actually create that body that you want. And yes, there's time for dieting, but you become so much more in love with the process of building your body that you're not so obsessed with just shrinking all the time that it becomes that much more rewarding. And you can put 100% effort into any phase that you go into. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of the time, if you just focus on the process and focus on strength progression, um, it can be a lot more rewarding than just looking at, you know, body checking every day and trying to see results if that session that you did last week was worth it or whatever. Like if you just focus on the training aspects and your performance levels, then your physique results will just come as a byproduct. Like it's the chair on top. There we go. It, that that's there and said that sums it up perfectly so with that i'm going to close this off now and yeah. i'm going to add it into my lives under the whole body composition 
subject. So if you want to listen over again, you can do that. And yeah, I reckon just pay attention to the effort that you apply to anything in life. Not just, not just training, like your, your, your nutrition, your sleep, drinking your water, the effort you apply to anything can feed into all areas of your life and you'll just be a better human for it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. See you guys. Thank you.